calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello and welcome to Vulgar History, a feminist women's history comedy podcast. My name is Anne Foster and this is Empress Cece part three. So this week we kind of, we wrap up Cece's story, which has some more content warnings. So just keep your ears peeled for that. And they will be noted in the show notes as well. But otherwise, yeah, Lana Johnson is back. We're going to get to the scoring. It's really challenging one to score because Cece is really unlike other people we've examined on this podcast. I also wanted to tell you a little behind the scenes info that this had been originally planned to be the season finale of the international season. But then by accident, I found three more stories that I wanted to share. So there's going to be several more weeks worth of vulgar history coming up. But just so you know, everything after this is kind of like unplanned, spontaneous bonus episodes. Anyway, oh, I also wanted to mention that, so I know you've all been enjoying Lana Wood Johnson on this podcast. You can learn more about her and her books and her herself at her website, which is lanawoodjohnson.com. So uh, enjoy CC part three. If you want to, if you want to pair her in a romantic story, you, you do a horse girl story. That's, she... that's it beginning and end. Oh my God. I think we're just getting into her like horse girl like colon the return era yes okay so she like as a child she loved riding horses and then like as she was being the empress like she did did horseback riding a lot and then this is where she got into oh i said already so they she got that like home in it was like budapest in hungary go tolo um and then that's she picked up the bug and she started to love fox hunting Fox and stag hunts. So, but again, he also talks about like, she just inherently like the same way that like, you know, Olympic athletes are good at swimming because of their physiology or whatever. Like she was just good at being a horse riding person. She probably had a really good center of gravity. Yeah. Sometimes when you're, t- I'm tall and I have no center of gravity and I will literally fall down just standing still. But sometimes when you're, when you're taller, you have that good balance. And I, sh- I think she was one of those people that had that. She also had ankle length, very thick hair. Wait, when she had, she had counterbalance. 
she had a horse mane of hair on herself. Um, that's how much of a horse girl she was. So she started taking a bunch of trips to the British Isles. So, well, this is the British Isles. She went to England. She also went to Ireland, which like caused a bit of an international scandal because they were in the midst of like various England versus Ireland things. But she's like, the fox hunting here is good. What's the problem? And they're all just like, CC. Like, like, I'm sorry you're fighting with this whole nationalism thing. I want to hunt. <laughs> yeah. So um, between 1876 and 1882, so she went to both England and Ireland a lot. She maintained several stables, participated in fox and stag hunts, and she was like really good at it. So I think that's part of what the newspapers were being like. Oh my God, guess what she just did? She's the best equestrienne. A frequent riding companion was the famed British equestrian George Bay Middleton, a distant ancestor of the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton, which is a connection that delights me. So Bay Middleton. It's about, the, it's about time that she gets some sort of connection, right? You know what? Even, Prince even William has terrible. enough. <laughs> huh? So George Bay Middleton was someone who's just like, I love this narrative. This is like, there was that movie that was like Victoria and her best friend, Billy Connolly. <laughs> I forget the name of the real life person. <laughs> yes. But this is like what if I was going to do a CC movie. It would be like this era, but like CC who would be played by, I don't know. I don't know. Gwendolyn Christie in a really long wig or something. And then, oh no, Elizabeth Debicki. And then um, you get the guy from Outlander any of the guys from Outlander to be this guy. Cause he had, he had red hair and he was Scottish. I think Bay Middleton, who was just like, I don't, he's like, I'm not going to be just like a Sherpa guide for this like random Royal. And then she showed up. She was so good on a horseback. And he's just like, okay, we're friends now. And he was just <laughs> like, this is happening. And he was like the one person that she would like yell at her and like instruct her, but she took to it because she's a horse girl and he's like a horse guy. And this is a horse based relationship. It's entirely, it's entirely stable based. <laughs> people are like oh and he traveled with her like to hungary and all this stuff so that he could like help oversee horses and people like oh is that her lover and it's like no horses (laughs) a stable guy like he just knows things just yeah no it's not the same (laughs) so bay middleton um and just the story is just another man friend but then eventually she had sciatica um, which I don't know how much that's exacerbated by having ankle length hair and what that does to your old. spine um, and, and, and training your waist. And like, she wasn't doing any nice things to her nerves, which is interesting because it was seen as like, she's very interested in her health is how people phrased it. That is that lie that everybody always says. It's like, well, if you're skinny, you're interested mm. in your health. Like, just because you have a good metabolism, you must be very healthy. Yeah. And, and, and it reinforces a lot of things. So she wasn't interested in her health. She was interested in her physical appearance. Yeah. I think that it's if like she was it's- interested in her health. She would eat square meals every day Yeah, and stop exercising when it hurt. I think this is an era. And again, I do not know this era very well, but. There's the, um, what's this, the guys who invented special K cereal. They're all the like health spas. Oh yes. Like, oh, oh, do not make me make you watch Road to Wellville. Do not yeah. make me make you watch that. So this is like when people say like Cece was interested in her health. It's like, she's a person who thinks about the food she eats. And to people in like 1870, they were like, to us, that's what health means. It's like thinking about your food. 
that's a anyway they're just baby steps towards oh oh yeah no the the kellogg's guys were a lot they i mean they were running a utopian cult so yeah you know right but i mean like that's a sort of health that people are like she was interested in health they mean the kind of like washing your hands and i just needed them to wash their hands yeah she wasn't interested in that but she wasn't anyway it's like it's the equivalent today of being interested in like crystals and essential oils basically yeah i mean you know is what the kellogg brothers were doing not her like this was a very idealistic period in time too because there was there's this weird lull in everyone hating each other so there was a lot of knowledge transfer and all of that stuff and and so people spent a lot more time like learning from each other and mm-hmm. learning different techniques and skills and knowledge and, and and exploring new things. So there's a lot of like socialism and utopianism and and that's why I did my paper on French utopians of this period. But <laughs> no, but that that's that's the context. This is important to know, I think, like the context of like where she's getting the ideas for the stuff that she does is coming from this kind of larger school of like weird ideas people are giving each other yeah like there's there's a lot of um like calisthenics x you don't need to exercise when you work the land all day every day Mm -hmm. but you do need to exercise when you stand in front of a machine and pull a lever all day oh yeah no, and and that, this- that switch from, from ag- agrarian to industrialization switched how people worked, how people lived, where their food came from, what they ate. And so there was this new interest in what of these old ways were actually helping us and which mm-hmm. ones were actually hurting us. No, but then and- that gets into like, I wrote a whole paper about this. Like at the same time that women were having um, green sickness, which is just kind of like hysteria, but for young virgins. But men were having this, like people started experience, like doctors started, like the medical establishment started being more of a thing, but it started just being like, why do all these people have what I'm going to call unwe, like, or which is, but it could be anxiety or depression. They call it like green sickness, or there's a word for it for men, but it was, it was basically that it's exactly what you're saying. It's like, if all you do is go to a factory and pull a lever all day, then like your body's going to get fucked up. Like this could like cause things in your mental health you lose, like, you lose mental stimulation you lack mental yeah. stimulation you, you work 16 jobs what do you get another day older and deeper in debt <laughs> so this it is was, it was yeah. a, it was a social shift as well and 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 then there's all these these intellectual people they're like hmm this is interesting because it was new <laughs> New things well, no, are fun no but that reminds me too so cc is traveling around and as she's traveling she's visiting like lunatic asylums. I don't know what else to call them. Sorry, but like no, that's what they were. I mean, that yeah. was that was their term. But that was an interest of hers. She would go and visit them and see, like, well, what techniques are you using, and like, how are the people being cared? Like, because she was intellectually very curious in mental health. This was still pre-Freud. Like, we're yeah. still in the barely pre-Freud, but keeping in mind that Freud was from Austria, so the things that she's doing. And, and her family influences are influences of his and, and her interest in these mental health, the, this asylums made the asylums in Austria a thing that him as a neuroscientist started to realize there's more to this. There's more to this. He needs to study it in a different way than just I cut open a brain yeah. and look at it. 
No, this is at the very beginning of when we started recording. You said like if she lived today, she would have gone to medical school. She could have been a psychologist. And I'm just like, yeah, that was like, <laughs> that would have been great. She would have been a psychologist equestrian. <laughs> an equestrian slash social worker. <laughs> oh my God. Horse therapy. She could horse have said, therapy. She wouldn't have totally entire. She knew horse therapy was a thing. She would have been so far all over that. Yeah. Um. So her, so sciatica, eventually she couldn't ride horses anymore. Um. So she took up uh, just because she had to keep moving, um, fencing and hiking. Eventually, you know, it used to be like a thing that people fought and competed to be the lady in waiting to the empress. But now no one really wanted to. And she chose people based on like, who can keep up with me on like an eight hour mountain climb every day. And that was how she chose her attendance. That is not, that is not one of the jobs that Elizabeth the first ladies and waitings ever had to deal with. It's like, wait, what do you mean an eight hour hike? Yeah. You have a lady in waiting. Okay. Here's your like fitness test. Like, let's just see if you are up to the task. So she was traveling all the time, whatevering. But she also, I like this detail. So her husband was still in Vienna, just being like, I love my wife who's not here. And she was like, mm, if I'm leaving him, like, I don't want him to be lonely. So she like facilitated him taking a lover who was an actress called Katerina Schratt. Um, they saw her in a play and he thought she was pretty. And Cece was like, oh, you thought she's pretty? He, she like invited Katerina over. You should and sleep the- with her. <laughs> The excuse was like every time Katerina came over, she was described as like Cece's friend. Like, oh, Cece's friend, Katerina. Like Katerina got her own like apartments. Like, and it was all just like under the guise of like Cece's friend. So she's like, you're, she's like, that's handled great. I'm going to just go like travel everywhere now. When she traveled. The only um, time where the mistress was the idea of, well, no, no, there's many times where this, but it's like one of those few times where like, no, oh, you want to miss, no, you don't want a mistress, but but you could have one. Like, let's, let's see. Let's see. <laughs> her, their daughter, Valerie, in her writings was kind of like appalled that her mother had like arranged this all. But CC was just like, gotta do what I gotta do. When she traveled, she didn't travel under her own name. She used the pseudonym, the Countess of Hohenims, which yeah. I thought was like an anagram or a made up word, but actually that's a place. And so she's just pretending to be the Countess of Hohenims. It's, it's, it's a very Bavarian name. <laughs> yeah. Tyrol, Bavarian, Alpen, German sounding word. So she traveled and when she went places, like if people knew she was the empress, then the police would be like, we're going to like, we have to like, because sorry, we're going to get to this. So don't get into too much now, Lana, but there's like assassinations are happening. There's anarchists assassinating there's people. everywhere. <laughs> Franz Joseph avoided several of these attacks socialists socialists utopians a couple utopians not many just a couple yeah so it's actually no this is the exact time period when i was telling you i I did a whole history of of socialist utopian um assassinations for Anne in preparation for this podcast this is the same time period as the utopian from the united colony killed James A. Garfield, president of the United States. And that's when Teddy Roosevelt became president. No, 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 no. no. no, no. That's, that's 1901. That's oh. after CC. Who became that president? Was a, that was an anarchist. Oh, sorry. That was totally, an anarchist totally who was trying situation. to impress Emma Goldfarb. Emma Goldman. Goldman, sorry, yes, Emma Goldman. 
Emma don't Goldman. I don't know, but Emma Goldman, the famous. Is she an anarchist? Yeah. Anarchist. She is. She is the queen of the anarchists. Best known anarchists to me. Queens from the musical Ragtime. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's a so Cece is just coming into her own like self actualization, traveling around Europe during like an incredibly dangerous time for like the Empress of Austria to be traveling around. So Franz Joseph, her husband, was like, "Okay, I'm going to arrange like wherever she goes. I'm going to like make sure the local police force like escorts her like a bodyguard." And she was just like, "How dare you!" So they had to like secretly follow her around. And if she ever noticed one of them was following her around, she would like ski daddle and just like run away. So like anyway, she was just like, "I do not want bodyguards. Stop this." You're making so, it worse. Yeah. So she's traveling around. With various people who I think when they were walking, they would also be talking about things that interest her. So I'm not going to say all of them, but there's like various Greek people. Well, this is where like she learned modern Greek. So Constantine Christomanos, who I mentioned before. So he's a playwright and theater director. His memoirs of Sisi were banned by the Viennese court. Um, That's how you know they're good. Yeah. So one of her other travel companions with Constantine Manos, who became a resistance fighter against the Turks in Crete. And Marinos Maranaki, a future sportsman and co-founder of the famous Greek soccer club, Panathinaikos. She's also accompanied by a Swedish therapist, Arvid Ludwig Kelgren. I'm not sure if that means like a physical therapist or like a mental therapist. I, it was probably an alienist. Let me double check. Arvid Ludwig Kelgren. While Lana's checking that, say that she also continued like she liked visiting hospitals seeing people helping out she arrived at hospitals and charity wards unannounced oh. with only a, oh go ahead he was a physiotherapist so he was probably most likely for her sciatica he might encourage her to cut her hair <laughs> that's what i would do if he was any good at his job he would encourage her to cut her hair <laughs> i wonder if i assume franziska was still there doing her hair anyway during her travel she'd go to hospitals and charity wards unannounced here she displayed surprisingly down-to-earth behavior for a royal, holding hands with the dying and speaking to patients about their needs. So one of her lady-in-waitings wrote, truly like an angel of mercy, she went from bed to bed. I saw the tears trickling down the faces of the men. And then by the 1880s, her mental health stuff was getting m- new manifestations, such as she started doing things like randomly entering strangers' homes. So did Robert Downey Jr. and he's fine. Yeah. But this was also an era where she was, this was like this traveling. This is when she and Ludwig were very close. So her favorite play was A Midsummer Night's Dream. And she referred to herself as Titania, Queen of the Fairies. I think Ludwig had like an alter ego persona as well. Yeah. And they just sort of like were together, just like pretending like they didn't have to be in charge of anywhere and just like being to, what are they called? The Whittles Box. Just like very Bavarian together. They were being very Bavarian. He'd just be like, look at this cool castle I'm building. And she'd be like, I'm going to look at this new psychiatric fact I learned. And they're just like having a nice time together. And then um, a bunch of people die. It's turned very, very dark. And so this is the same era as, as a lot of um, spiritualism was going down. Definitely. And that is a thing that she definitely turned to in this era. Um, so Ludwig died. We talked about him before the mysterious like murder or maybe suicide. She always assumed it was suicide just because she knew about his like melancholy and stuff. 
her father died, and then the Meyerling incident happened. Meyerling? Meyerling. So this is a content warning for suicide. Um, And grooming. And grooming. Suicide and grooming. Um, And murder. And murder. So... My lovely editor, Christina, is, is doing God's work this week, putting all timestamps in for when all these contents happen. So if you want to skip ahead, just check in the notes for the episode and you can skip ahead to when this part is done. But this is a very famous thing. Well, the fact that it's called the Meyerling incident, like it's got a name. Well, that's mostly because um, it is the era of newspapers. Right. And newspapers need a discrete term to, to advertise around. That's true. And they can't call it Meyerling Gate yet because Watergate hasn't happened. So Cece's one son. Too short. <laughs> remember her son, Rudolph, who was like very sensitive and very similar to her, not thriving in a military school. So then she took over and switched to schooling. So he grew up and he continued to be a very, all those family traits sort of person, including the mental health part of that lineage. He also had obsessive thoughts. And so this whole incident is a result of him. Like, this is his third attempt okay. at this specific thing. He needed to find the right girl. Okay. So what, just to begin at the beginning. So okay. Rudolph had been dealing with some depressive issues for a while. He even, um, he did try to, he was never close to his mother because he was born before she's allowed to be close to her children. Although she did rescue him from the schooling that wasn't helping him thrive. But anyway, he like did at some point maybe try to confide in her, but she was just kind of like not, she's kind of checked out about him. And she's just kind of like, I'm busy being Titania, queen of the fairies with Ludwig. So like another I time. I only have enough time for one mentally ill relative and it's going to be Ludwig right now and myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's me. Thank you. Anyway. So, well, you can talk about this. So the- he had a series of lovers he had a series he, he was married and he Sorry, had a daughter he was married and his job. wife's name his wife's name was stephanie which is the most 1995 name of a person in like the 1800s i've ever experienced my, my gift to Anne is a story where all of the women have different names <laughs> please <laughs> when possible i try to find as many different female names <laughs> for Anne. So that, so that she doesn't have to do any research or nicknames. Yep. Uh, but in this particular case, uh, Rudolph, he did his job. He had a wife. He had a daughter. He did not have a son. So, But he became obsessed with this idea of murder-suicide. And his wife was not going to do it. Stephanie, so he, Stephanie was not into it. Stephanie, Stephanie was barely into him. <laughs> <laughs> So, so being his like victim was not a thing. So he found like a couple other lovers to try to convince to his case and they did not. So he groomed a 15 year old and convinced her she was so desperately in love with him that they were going to die. They were going to commit murder. suicide. no one's going to stop him. He's the crown prince. No one's going to stop him from having a lover no one's going to stop this was just a thing that got in his head and he was going to do and he did it so he went out into the country into a hunting lodge and and 
murdered her and then him and then himself and didn't do a great job of it like he they eventually found him and tried to take him to the hospital but he did die along the way and it it was it was super traumatic like everything about it was really traumatic and they tried to make it into they tried to make it look like it was a murder like a full-on murder that someone was jealous and the newspapers found that out like it was it was a very messy tabloid scandal of someone who did not have the help he needed and didn't have the support he needed and got an obsessive thought in his head and took it way too far. And obviously his mother who did not have time for him and probably should have um, did not deal well with that either. (laughs) Here's what um, Valerie said, Cece said, which is Rudolph's bullet killed my faith. And also the death of Rudolph meant in terms of, okay, <laughs> it sets up a chain of events that be- leads to World War One. <laughs> Basically, he caused World War One. <laughs> yeah. So what happened is that, so Rudolph had no son. So succession passed to Emperor Franz Joseph's, like Cece's husband's brother, Archduke Karl Ludwig, and his eldest son, Archduke Franz Ferdinand. And the assassination of Franz Ferdinand set off a chain of events that would lead to World War One, And the name of a band. Yeah, which is what I think of first, honestly. But um, after Rudolph's death, Cece only ever wore black ever again, which made her even more recognizable as much as she wanted to be anonymous. She's like five foot eight, little tiny waist, all in black, carrying her fan. Of hair. <laughs> Ankle length hair, carrying a black fan and a white parasol. It's like, you could like, it's, I wouldn't even wear as Waldo that like, she's just like very, she's not hiding. Well, no, <laughs> as much as she did not want to be seen or noticed, she was like wildly visible. And this, the Myerling scandal increased public interest in CC who was just like, remember her, she's beautiful. And then she was like an equestrian. And then like, she maybe had lovers. So tragic. Her, her, her cousin died mysteriously her father died and now her son died in these tragic circumstances maybe the same for her yeah i know so it's really yeah it's a dead man walking situation and now we're just going to take a break for a word from our sponsors shout out to claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples So the thing is, I have allergies. My nose gets stuffy. I get sort of sinus congestion, and it just really can sometimes get in the way of doing things I really want to be doing, like recording this podcast, for instance. But you might have noticed that when you're listening to this podcast, you never hear me sounding like a duck or uh, with a runny nose. I'm never wiping my nose or stuff on the microphone. And that's because luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. So I've been taking Claritin-D for my allergies, and the thing is, when I'm using it, you won't even know that I have allergies. My voice sounds so crystal clear when I'm recording and when you're listening to me right now, but also when I'm not doing podcasts, when I'm doing other life-related things, like just going about my day-to-day life, like sitting on the bus or going to work or whatever, going to the movie theaters. I don't have to worry about like, do I have tissues with me? Do I have a handkerchief? Is this noise bothering everybody? Am I being gross? Ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. 
Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And we're back. Although after he died, she commissioned the building of a palace on the island of Corfu, which she named after Homer's hero Achilles in the Iliad. Um, she called it the Achildeion. So Corfu is in or near Greece, I think. Because remember, all of her friends were Greek. So I think they probably really got her into like the Iliad, etc. The building was purchased later by German Emperor Wilhelm II. Later, it was acquired by the nation of Greece, um, now Greek National Tourism Organization, and converted to a museum. Anyway, so Rudolf the Meierling incident happened. Um, I'll just mention that the name of the girl who died in it was Mary Vetsera. The next year, Cece's sister, Duchess Sophie, died, as well as her friend, Count Gula Andrasi, about whom her daughter Valerie said she clung to him with true and steadfast friendship as she did perhaps to no other person. When he died, Cece wrote, my last and only friend is dead. Um, then the next year, her sister Nene died. And then two years later, her mother died. So yeah, she's going to wear black for the rest of her life because if you add this all up, like it's, there's a lot of mourning to do. And finally, Franz Joseph is worried about her mental health. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, finally, what's she doing? Um, so she kept traveling. So dressed in black, she traveled across the continent and North Africa, refusing police protection, determined to travel the whole world over. This is her words until I drown and am forgotten. So, so she's, she's taking lots of risks. Yeah. Lot, lots of risks. Yeah. Um, at the age of 51, she got a tattoo of an anchor on her arm, which is the first. I know of a vulgar history woman getting a tattoo. So she's doing, she's engaging in some, I would say, self-destructive behavior. Yeah. She's not being careful. She's, she's not actually traveling incognito. Like she says she's traveling. She's not yeah. actually traveling incognito. Yeah. She's, she's got maybe a bit of a death wish. Sorry. I spent a lot of time studying World War I. Uh, France Joseph. Is, is like genuinely concerned and does recognize the possibility is very high that she will um, her, harm herself. Yeah, definitely. Um, she spent, speaking of him, she spent little time in Vienna with him, um, although their correspondence increased during this era a bit and their relationship became a warm friendship as evidenced by the letters. Which is um, like, that's actually good. Like that, I like that because that's what she wanted from him in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's see. So she traveled on the Imperial steamer Miramar through the Mediterranean. Her favorite places included Cape Martin on the French Riviera, San Remo on the Ligurian Riviera, um, where tourism had only started the second half of the 19th century, like Geneva in Switzerland, Bad Ischl in Austria, 
and Corfu. She also visited countries not usually visited by European royals at the time, Morocco, Algeria, Malta, Turkey, and Egypt. And she was going to, so this is like the tourism industry was very just beginning. So it's not just like she's traveling and refusing bodyguards. She's going to like, at this point, like very remote areas where there's not like a hotel you can just check into. Like she's just, so she's, having adventures, but she's going to kind of off the beaten path type areas. She's She's not going to Rome and having, doing the, like, she's not doing the things you would expect a Victorian to do. She's, and she's, she's being a genuine tourist. Like with her, she wanted to be around the actual people. So she's not pulling her whole entourage into Egypt and causing a disruption there. She's finding a place to stay in Egypt and experiencing that place. Yeah, exactly. And that's like the stuff I read about, you know, she'd go to the hospital and visit people. Like she'd bring like one lady in waiting with her, maybe like she wasn't. Yeah. So she was, but also just in terms of like how, like, this is the era, like, Hey, we're going to get to things, but like, there's a lot of assassinations and various people wandering around shooting and stabbing various people. So well, there's also a lot of, of, of unrest happening. So yes. this is, this is when, um, Franz Joseph's not sitting at home going, my wife is traveling a lot. Like he, he annexed Bosnia Herzegovina and Serbia and like brought them into Austria kind of against their wishes. There's a lot of nationalism rising up and there's a lot of sentiment within the community in that community in particular of, of, of separatism and and finding their own individual nationalism but then there's also the anarchists all over and this this new um anti-modernity marxism is on the rise yeah um socialism other forms of socialism are on the rise in a more um contrary like anti-statist mentality of anarchism and socialism there's also an anti-monarchy moment happening yes it's a very big anti-monarchy and anti-monarchy austria-hungarian empire even though it is far smaller than it ever was before still holds that that old money old the old world aspect to it because the Habsburgs have been around since the 1200s yeah so it 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 was a symbol in addition, like in addition to simply being the current leadership, they're also symbols of yeah. this old Europe. Right. And that's the thing. That's who is like people like Franz Joseph is being targeted, not well, partially maybe because of the stuff he did, but also just symbolically like to assassinate the emperor I mean, would be. Killing, at the eventual killing of Franz Ferdinand was a symbolic murder. There wasn't really a whole like their, their power had been so much. It wasn't going to make Serbia free, but it was it was a very symbolic murder that started World War One and fundamentally changed Europe and the world. Yeah. But it those kinds of that the risk had started at this period because that was only like this is the 80s, late late 80s, 90s, and this is gonna be uh the murder of France Ferdinand was 1911. So yeah. 20-year period that's it's not... an extended period of just unrest there's also a um, fiscal downturn during that period <laughs> uh worldwide depression the one of the first worldwide depressions was in 1890 so there's also a fiscal downturn and that would lead to all this stuff like people becoming more radicalized 
mm-hmm. with yeah. So she built the Achilleon on Corfu, and Franz Joseph was just like, maybe she'll like stay there and like retire there forever. But she was just like moving on. Um. So here's a quote from her. Oh, I think this is actually a poem of hers. I loved, I lived, I wandered through the world, but never reached what I strove for. So she's just like on the go. 1898. Despite warnings of possible assassination attempts, Cece, now age 60, traveled to Geneva, Switzerland under her assumed name. And she's her, been using for nearly a decade at this point. And her wildly identifiable appearance. But someone from the hotel where she was staying recognized her and revealed that she was their guest. And then the next day in the newspaper, it said, like, guess who's in town? Cece. She calls herself Hohenems. <laughs> <laughs> you can recognize her by her black dress, her ankle length hair, fan and parasol. So also in town was the Italian anarchist Luigi Lucini, who had come to Switzerland to assassinate Prince Henri of Orleans in an active protest against the ruling class. Tender to the throne of France. So my notes here just note, just to summarize some of what you just said, over three decades, beginning in 1880, anarchists killed a Russian czar, two Spanish premiers, a French president and an Italian king. And in the next two years, uh, two years after this would kill, or well, three years after this would kill the president of the United States. And then Teddy Roosevelt became president. Yes. <laughs> and was Teddy Roosevelt supposed to be president? No. Why not? Because he wasn't popular with the party. Yes. His own party hated him and made him vice president to get him out of the way. <laughs> but then he became president because the president was killed. This is American history. Lana has taught me. My, my part of my job is teaching Anne American history, and I'm very proud when she remembers part of it. Yeah, um, most of that is because I made you also watch The Alienist, and you yeah. started learning who Teddy Roosevelt was. Well, because and if you watch The Alienist, the like murder mystery show taking place in oldie times New York, Teddy Roosevelt is like the chief of police, and I was like, wait, Teddy Roosevelt is the chief of police? I'm like, Lana, why is Teddy Roosevelt on the show? Is this made up? And then you explained to me a lot about Teddy Roosevelt. Anyway, so Lucini, Luigi Lucini is in town. He wants to assassinate the Prince of Orleans. And then, but it turns out- He wasn't out even to- really much of a prince of anything. Like he, was, he was the pretender to the throne of France, which France was a, this is a hundred years after the French Revolution. Like there's, there's not, yeah. It's, it's 75 years after Napoleon. There's no rulers here. This is I don't know. all- Luigi's an anarchist, it. you know? He's just doing his own thing. So, but the prince- Canceled his trip, but then Luigi Lucini, I imagine, reads the newspaper. Cece's in town. She was easy to identify, and it was, and she traveled without protection officers. So um, she was out walking with one of her ladies in waiting. I don't know if this is one of her like marathon eight-hour walks. Anyway, no, 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 it wasn't. She was walking along a dock to board a ship. She was and Lu- leaving. Yeah, Luigi approached her, attacked her with a small triangular, like a sharpened file. Cece thought that. <laughs> Cece fell, but she was cushioned by her gigantic amount of hair. So she didn't, she wasn't injured in the fall. Um, And she stood up thinking she had been punched. But what had happened was that he had beat the combination of like the tight laced leather corset and the smallness of the nail file or not a nail file, but like the file, like it was a very small wound. It was a needle file. 
Yeah. It's a file specifically for needles. So it was very, very small. Okay. Yes, it was a very small thing. And so she bled out so slowly that she like got on the ship. She bled into herself. Yeah. So if anybody's watched um, Sherlock, the the wedding episode, that is based on Cece's murder. Um, she was the course, the tight laced corset kept everything contained and she slowly bled into her pericardium. By the time they figured out what was going on, there was no blood in her veins anymore. Yeah. She bled in. So it seems at first first it seemed like she just fainted or something, but then they realized that she. Like it was hours later. Like she just kept going and everything was fine. And no one knew. The boat. Yeah. Um, when her husband, Franz Joseph, now her widower, I guess, when he received a telegram informing him of her death, he assumed at first that she had died by suicide, but a later message arrived detailing the assassination. And then he was like, oh, um, not that that's reassuring necessarily, but um, it, it was it was probably comforting to know that she'd continued yeah. like she was she was still living. Yeah, she was still going. She she's still living. And, yeah. and living for herself in the way that she'd found that worked for her and she hadn't given up. And sometimes when you're in those situations, like you find the ways to continue going, like mm-hmm. your, your brain weasels tell you things <laughs> and you find ways around the brain weasels and, and, and knowing from experience, like it's nice to know that they continue to fight. Yeah, that's true. I agree. Yeah. So, and Cece never stopped. Um, until someone stopped her. So Geneva went into mourning. Um, Cece's body was placed in a triple coffin, two inner ones of lead, the third exterior one of bronze, reposing on lion claws. The coffin was fitted with two glass panels covered with doors, which could be slid back to allow her face to be seen, which she would have hated because after she was age 32, she's just like, no one can ever see my face. Her body was carried back to Vienna on a funeral train. The inscription on her coffin read Sisi, Empress of Austria. The Hungarians she were outraged. <laughs> the Hungarians were outraged, and the words and Queen of Hungary were hastily added. The entire Austro-Hungarian Empire was in deep mourning. 82 sovereigns and high-ranking nobles followed her funeral cortege on the morning of September 17th to the tomb. And I think it was Franz Joseph said something about where he was just like, of all the people to assassinate, like she was, a, she went to visit people in hospitals. She was like a kind person. Like she was like basically apolitical. He's just like, she's like, like her, like what, but it was symbolic, I guess. And she was, she was also accessible. Like she, she, um, there is, there's a thing about like the Patty Hearst kidnapping. Patty Hearst is a very strange person to kidnap, but she was, the richest person that didn't have any form of security or protections around her. Like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes history is made by uh, accessibility. Exactly. But just in his grief, I guess, Franz Joseph was being like, she was the best of us all, etc. Well, he's going to say that about anybody. Any, any way she died, he's going to say she was the best of us all. She didn't deserve to go. So once it was discovered that an Italian was responsible for this assassination, unrest swept Vienna and reprisals were threatened against Italians. The intensity of shock mourning and outrage far exceeded that which occurred at the news of Rudolf's death. An outcry erupted over the lack of protection for the Empress and the Swiss police had to be like, no, we tried, like we offered, like we wanted to help. She wouldn't let us protect her. Like, like she had detected his officers outside the hotel the day before the assassination and protest 
Surveillance was disagreeable, so he had no choice but to withdraw them. And Luigi had been following the Empress for several days, waiting for an opportunity. So that was the moment that he chose. It's also the way he killed her. Like it, it would have just looked like she'd been hit. Yeah. And not all not all entourages could even stop something like that. Yeah, like it, it seemed was, like someone had just a, Yeah. It was a very strange kind of murder. And yeah. And it, like they did it, it was weird. Like even their ability to find the murder weapon was like, I didn't even know what he was throwing away. But now that you tell me to look for something, I found this thing. Could yeah. Be this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, yeah, it's a very like, it was on Sherlock, but I feel like it's a very Sherlock Holmes esque. It's like, wait, what did she die of? Wait, why isn't there blood? Like, wait, what was the weapon? But yeah, so since Cece was famous for preferring the common man to courtiers, known for her charitable works and considered such a blameless target, um, Luigi's sanity was questioned initially because people were just like, why would you kill Cece? Like, you must be insane. Where it's like, no, like you just said, it's like, that was who he could get to. He was an anarchist. Anarchist or anti-statist. He was going to do, he wanted to kill somebody. She was available. Yeah. So his will or her will stipulated a large part of her jewel collection should be sold and the proceeds um, were to be applied to various religious and charitable organizations. Oh, here's what Franz Joseph said. That a man could be found to attack such a woman whose whole life was spent in doing good and who never injured any person is to me incomprehensible. Everything outside of the crown jewels and state property that Cece had the power to bequeath was left to her granddaughter, um, the Archduchess Cece, Rudolph's child. Oh, and the thing, the famous, the Cece stars, the like gold, like she had given those away sort of one at a time to various people who she appreciated. So those weren't around to bequeath to anyone anymore. Upon her death, Franz Joseph founded the Order of Elizabeth in memory of her. And there are numerous statues created in her honor, as well as chapels, parks, and bridges in several countries, including lots in Hungary. Various residences that she frequented are preserved and open to the public as museums. Um, there's, there was an operetta. There is uh, plays, musicals, ballets, films, TV shows, the German films. I think there's something about those air. You said that there's the Y author who watches the three CC films every year, but I think they air on TV in Germany and maybe some other countries. Yeah. It's like a Christmas tradition, like the way that yeah. people would watch. I don't know. Christmas Carol or whatever. It's like, like, like on Easter, you watch 10 commandments. Yeah. And at Christmas, well, because she had a Christmas birthday, right? Yeah. So well, Christmas Eve, but Christmas yeah. Eve birthday. Um, there's going to be this new Netflix series coming out soon. There are lots of historical fiction books about CC, including one of the Royal diaries. And that's, we're going to move on to the scoring of CC. I'm going to leave this entirely in your hands, Lena, just because oh, you know gosh. her. Well, I mean, okay. I will, I'll have opinions, but like, so you're going to have to prop me because unlike with uh vulgar piece theater, I am not on top of <laughs> okay. what the scoring categories are. So the first category and it, you're scoring between zero and 10 is scandalousness. And this is for her an interesting one because a lot of the stuff she did to me, I'm like, okay, but the people of Viennese court were like, <gasps> what? Like start measuring yourself by the people of Viennese court were all scandalous and that's just sad that's true yeah so it's just like, like how she's not scandal like the people around her were very scandal like Rudolph he wins he's a he's an 11 yeah but like Cece like I give her maybe a five like yeah. scandalous is not what makes her story interesting no she wasn't 
no, exactly. Like in the stuff that she did that people saw as scandalous were stuff like she, she's just trying to take care of herself. She was, it was self-care. <laughs> she, she visited patients in a hospital. Like these are things like, I don't know. Sorry, yeah. I'm a good person. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The, the culture she was in found things about her scandalous that like she was not doing to be scandalous. I guess that's the thing. She didn't intend to be seen that way, even though some Correct. of her actions were seen that way. They weren't, that wasn't the intent. And, and like, sometimes she was like, she, she pushed boundaries with the Hungarian thing. Like she, yeah. she used, she full on exchanged sex with her husband for recognition of Hungary as an equal partner to Austria. Yeah. Like she, she, that is probably the most scandalous thing she did. And she had, she, she fostered relationships that were open to rumors, but not like, it was scandalous. She could have stopped doing that, but that was not like, she didn't want to. Yeah. Like she had, she had friendships with men, which that was just scandalous because she was the empress, but the relationships themselves are just friendships. Like they weren't. Yeah. Like that's the most scandalous thing about her is that she was going to be friends with men. She's going to stay friends with men and you weren't going to stop her. And I guess also the fact that she like hired Hungarian staff or whatever, like lower nobility. Yeah. So five. The next one is it's scheminess, but I do want to clarify that this isn't necessarily like, ah, ha, ha, I'm scheming, but just like cleverness, like her, her, I don't know, like how the ability to make up a plan and execute it, you know, like being quick on her feet. Like, I, I don't know that I'd give her credit for being quick on her feet, but I think she is like bullheaded enough. Like she's going to find a way to get her way Mm -hmm. and she's going to try every, like, I don't know that she was very smart about manipulating people because people were kind of hard for her, but she wasn't going to stop until she got her way until she figured out how to ask them or how to say the thing that she wanted. Yeah. Give her a seven. I think so. Sheer effort. Cause like tenacity and she did have success. Like the, the Austria-Hungary thing again, like the fact that she was just like she, that was her, like she made that because of her, her mediation husband. and her manipulation gave of her, her husband. husband. Mistress <laughs> gave her husband a mistress. Yeah, I think yeah, she had some schemes. She she used her husband to get the kid away from Sophie. Like it, she, it, it wasn't it didn't come easy to her. But no, no, it's exactly about it. Yeah, like as a child, like if none of this had happened, if she had married off to some whatever Bavarian lord or something, she would just like continue just like living in the woods and riding horses and just like having a nice time. She wasn't like a schemey person by nature, but she eventually figured out a way that she could be schemey on her own terms. She was good at she she good at she was good at figuring out how to get her way in a system that the one thing she want like the one thing she wanted the few things she wanted were the things that were forbidden from her. Yeah. Well, even the fact that she was like, well, I'm having my hair styled. I'm just going to like learn a couple languages. Just just learn a couple couple foreign languages you don't want me to know. Like not the good ones. Yeah. The useful ones. See, that's (laughs) scheming to me. The next one is her significance. And you can interpret that however you want. I'm going to put this like probably a little like, I'm, I'm probably going to put this again at a seven. Like she wasn't, she wasn't moving nations, but 
and and I don't think she like had any real direct influence over mental health, but I don't think the progression that we have towards the kind of mental health care that we have now, which went through some real dark eras and and real dark ages in between now and then, um, I don't think the progression would have happened if she hadn't been someone who fostered that in the Viennese community at that time, because it it gave rise to Jung and Freud and it, it made a space for them to exist in a community that probably wouldn't normally want them to be there. And, and so I would say like that part of her influence is pretty high and she has a Barbie doll. Like yeah. in the nineties, she got a Barbie doll. Like yeah. not many, not many Queens got Barbie dolls. <laughs> no, no. I, I don't know if anyone I've done on Vulgarity before has had a Barbie doll to be that significant. A <laughs> hundred years after your death. Yeah. Well, and then also the, like the movie, I think, well, I think part of why she is known is because of those movies from the fifties as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the sexism bonus, like how much did sexism hold her back? I think by this point in time, I don't know that it did. I don't think sexism was a thing that, that she had to, like, I don't think she gets any bonuses for that because like literally she's living in the time period where women are going to college, like women are achieving Marie Curie is, is studying radium. Like there are women doing far more interesting things than her. Um, she, she gets that bonus of you're expected to like, like if she gets one or two points, it's because her job was to have children and she found a way around that. (laughs) The sexism bonus is like, how much more could she have done if not for the patriarchy, but for her, it's not really the paid. Well, it is, but it's also it is kind the of- patriarchy, but it's not any more patriarchy than our grandmothers had. Yeah. Well, it's like she was married off at age 15. She was ex- she's put in, but that's not, I don't know. Like she did as best as she could given those circumstances. So how much are you giving her? Three, like one or two, like two. Okay. So that's, like it's not the odds are not stacked against her the way a lot of a lot of the women in history are. She could own property. She could you know she what? could have gone to college. And she was well, and even like not that she did, but like she she was able to travel independently. Yeah. Like she was able to hang like she out. She was able and, to tell tell people no. She was able to tell people no. Yeah. Yeah. So and it wasn't life threatening to do well, it was, but like not in the way, not the telling people no was not life-threatening. The things that she was telling them no for were, were ill-advised. So ultimately, her grand total is, I'm going to tell you the number that I'm going to tell you the company that she's keeping, okay? So her total is 21, which in the context of this podcast, I think is a fair assessment given what we're scoring people on, um, given that she's a different sort of person than what we often talk about. But here's the thing, you know who is a 20? Caroline of Brunswick. So she's the goat. So I would, that, that is the company I want to keep. (laughs) Exactly. I like that they're, they're together and just kind of like they could like Carolyn Brunswick also memorably took various trips around the Mediterranean. (laughs) Yeah. She, she found a way to her own freedom. They're, they're the same kind of people that found their freedom despite 
the the odds stacked against them. They were both raised quasi feral in Germany, and then were <laughs> married to into families where they didn't really fit. <laughs> and and in one case, it was to a dude that did not want to be married to her. In another case, it was to a dude that very much did want to be married to her. Yeah. And so that influenced their outcomes, but but yes, that's like they're 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 interesting people. They don't have to be schemy or yeah. badass to be interesting. No, exactly, exactly. And I think I hope that you have made with me assisting a little bit a good case for why she deserves to be remembered for much more than her diet tips and hair length. <laughs> I mean, I love her hair. Don't get me wrong, but that's. That's, that's the, like, that's the introduction is look at this cool hair. Now meet the rest of her. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's the Hortense Mancini effect where you're just like, well, yes. this looks cool. Is her story interesting? Oh, it is. <laughs> so like cool hair in a portrait to me, it's two for two <laughs> between these two. They both led to great stories. Lana, can you just remind everybody about your excellent books and where they can find you to follow you on social media and things? All right. Um, my my first novel was Technically You Started It, which is a text transcript of two very nerdy teenagers as they slowly fall in love, even though they hate each other in real life. And um, it's companion novel, Speak for Yourself, which is set in the same nerdy high school. Those are both available wherever fine books are sold, mostly online at this point, because it's been a couple of years. And I am available online everywhere you can find me at Mulibris, M-U-L-I-E-B-R-I-S, because one day I needed a name that did not have number, an account that did not have numbers in Hotmail, and I liked that. (laughs) So. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, and I think everybody should. Um, Thank you so much for, you know, helping tippy-toe my way towards a Habsburg moment. It's just there's so many of them, and they're all called... Marie. You can't avoid them forever. But I will continue to try. Thank you. (laughs) So we mentioned this in the episode, but again, you can find out more about Lana at lanawoodjohnson.com. I think if you're a fan of this podcast, then you will really enjoy her two YA novels, Speak for Yourself and Technically You Started It, which are both, as she mentioned in the episode, they are young adult contemporary novels, but they're also, if you're into, um, all the history Easter eggs and stuff. They're actually not so secretly based on historical stories and people and books. So I'm still figuring out what would be a good CC item to put in the shop. So stay tuned for that. I always announce stuff like that on Instagram and stuff, but um, you can shop Vulgar History merch at uh, vulgarhistory.store. Whenever you're shopping, remember you can use code TITSOUT for free US shipping or TITSOUT10 for 10% off uh, there's all the Hortense stuff is there. We've got stuff throughout this whole international season and from previous seasons. Uh, the summer collection, you know, it's it's still there, at least at the point at which you're hearing this episode. The tits out, we've got the slides, we've got the tanks, various things. Anyway, I'm, I've got ideas coming up for like fall merch, but anyway, stay tuned for that. You can... Leave comments and feedback at vulgarhistory.com. There's a button there for for you to contact me if you have ideas. I'm still really open and I, I will always be open to ideas from you of other historical figures that you think would be good topics for this podcast, especially international figures who maybe are not 
as well known outside of the country or culture from which you're from. And if you want to support the podcast, you can get ad-free episodes as well as early access, usually about five days early, when you join patreon.com slash Writer. So that's where if you pledge at least $1 a month, you get the ad-free early access to the episodes. If you pledge uh, $5 or more a month, then you get access to the extra episodes. Like, so this asshole, um, I most recently did Louis Fourteenth, Vulgar Peace Theater, the episode about Les Miserables, I think should be there by the time you're listening to this. Anyway, otherwise, you can keep up with me and this podcast at Instagram where we are Vulgar History Pod, or on Twitter at Vulgar History. And until next time, keep your pants on and your tits out. Vulgar History is hosted, written, and researched by Anne Foster and edited by Christina Lumagi. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.